This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I, I do want to uh, focus on and celebrate the moms today, so I'm going to try to do that the, the best way that I can. Um, and so that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about godly moms and, you know, it's enough to just celebrate moms because that's a big deal. But the older that I get, I can specifically notice that there is a difference, okay? And maybe I'm going to have an unpopular opinion here, so don't hate me. But there is a difference between just a mom and a godly mom. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying. But but seriously, there's a lot of people that are moms out there. You know, they they raise kids successfully. Uh, as, at least, I mean, you know, they get them to the age of 18 and and hey, there's you know, there's they made it. But there's a giant difference between just um, a, a mom that 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 uh, has has taught their kids how to survive or whatever and a godly mom and i don't think that the difference has ever been more clear than it is right now between a a holy woman a godly mom a god-fearing mom and listen moms if there's ever a day and an age you know i may just go a whole different route than the notes that i wrote down here but but if there's ever a day and an age for you to thrive at what you do. I mean, you gotta teach them stuff, you gotta, you gotta nurture them, you gotta keep them safe and all this stuff. But if there's ever been a time in the history of the world that those kids need to see what a godly, holy, wonderful woman of God looks like, it's right now. They need that because the world's trying to tell them a whole different thing. And I'm not gonna, you know, go all that whole direction, but The definition of what the world tells you, ladies, of what you're supposed to be like and act like in 2021, it's wrong. It's disgusting. What God's definition is, is it's there's no shame in you staying home with those babies and raising them. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in you going out and and working a job. And and, But what I'm saying is this. It's okay to do things God's way. It's worked for thousands of years, and I think that we're one of the first stupid generations that's come in and said, I know this has worked successfully for, for thousands of years, and, 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 and you know, and, and the Bible has said to do it this way, but this ignorant, stuck-up, prideful generation is one of the first to say, ah, now forget all that. We've got new ways. We've got new definitions. We are smarter than that book. We're smarter than our mom was, than our grandma was, than our grandpa was. And it's turning out very, very badly. And so what I'm saying is this. When I say that I want to celebrate godly moms, I'm not just blowing smoke. I mean it. I celebrate you moms in here today that are holy, that are bringing your children to church, that are showing them how to love, how to forgive, how to pray, how to put God first. You are to be commended because, listen, you're doing it the right way. And not every single mom is. I know this isn't a, this isn't a bash fest, but I'm just being serious. You're incredible. You're doing it the right way. And you may, and I know, listen, I, I, people come to me and talk to me, especially, you know, so, so many people feel like I'm not doing a good enough job as a mom or as a dad. And, and, and I just feel, and, and you see all of your shortages. You see all of your, uh, weaknesses and, and all the times that you feel like you've missed it. But guess what? If you're here and you are a lady, a grandma, a mom that is at least here today and you're at least seeking Jesus the best that you can, there's, you're doing more right 
then you are wrong. And those kids are going to see that. And it's going to turn out all right. But you just stick close to Jesus and it will turn out okay. And so when I say that we celebrate godly, holy moms and women today, I sincerely mean that with all of my heart. And I can say that because, for one, I have a godly mom. I mean, you know, just to be honest, I, 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 I was raised very well. And I don't, I realize not everybody was. And I, and I, and I mention that because people come and talk to me about, you know, they, they had some issues growing up. I, you know, of course, no, no family's perfect. We had issues, but I can just say this much. You know, I wasn't raised in a household full of money and privilege and all this crazy stuff people talk about, but I was raised in a house where my parents loved each other and they taught us to love the Lord. And that's the greatest gift I could have ever got. I'm, I, that, I, there's nothing better in the world that I could have received than that. And it has paid off in huge, huge ways. And so moms, dads, parents, grandparents, I'm encouraging you and I am just absolutely telling you today, if you're seeking Jesus and you're sincere, keep it up, all right? The other stuff will fall into place, but you are to be commended and celebrated today because you're doing a lot better than a lot of those other people that you're comparing yourselves to. Quit comparing yourself to people in the world. Well, that mom over there, she drives an Escalade and, and she gets to do all this and, and blah, 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 blah. Who cares if those kids don't know the Lord? What, what an awful way to grow up. To not know the Lord. And some of you grew up that way. You know, I've heard your stories and I'm, I'm sorry. Thank God you found Jesus now. Amen. Thank God you found him now. But moms, dads, quit comparing yourself to the Joneses and the Smiths and the whoever's. If you're seeking God, you're on the right track and it's going to be okay. It will turn out good. Amen. And so the title today is this, the ingredients of a godly mom, the ingredients of a godly mom. And we're going to look at just a few points today. I'm going to be pretty brief. I know people got a lot of great plans and stuff you're going to do for mom today. But we're talking about the ingredients of a godly mom. Now, there's a lot that goes into motherhood. Have you realized that? Any any moms, Did you? is it a little bit harder than maybe that you thought it was going to be before you got in there? Okay, well, m- most of you moms don't think so. But I can say as a dad, that it turned out it's a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. It looked a lot easier when I was 10 years old and playing on my Game Boy or playing my Sega Genesis and, you know, you know, out there wrestling my brothers in the mud. It, it, parenthood didn't look that hard. And then when you actually have a bunch of kids and you start raising them, you're like, wow, my parents deserve the Medal of Honor for putting up with all this stupid stuff that we did back then. But praise God, it's okay. We're going to look at the ingredients of a godly mom, all right? And so these are just a few few biblical points to look at. Of course, you could list a, a whole lot more things than what we're going to talk about. But these are just a few key points for the moms and for everybody else to pay attention to because these will make even you men successful in what you're doing, okay? So I want to pray very quickly, and I want to get into the message today. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for what we are uh, celebrating today, Lord, Mother's Day, and that we do have a church full of godly moms, Lord. These ladies are raising their kids and their grandkids to know you and to serve you, and we are grateful for that. We acknowledge that. I pray that as we open our Bibles today, you'll speak to us, you'll encourage us, you'll challenge us, Lord, you'll teach us and show us what we need to see, and Lord, I just pray that this is an absolutely anointed, powerful, awesome time together. In Jesus' name, everybody said. And so some ingredients for a godly mom. Number one, she loves. Number one, she loves. Now, this may seem like an obvious thing to say. You know, well, duh. I mean, yeah, you want to be loved by your mom. But, But seriously, this is a true thing. Because first of all, you can't even be a godly person. Without love, you can't even be a good Christian if you are not full of love, let alone be a godly mom that's responsible for raising the next generation of people that are going to be in charge of this world and this place that we live. But as a mom, the one of the key ingredients is to be filled with love. Now, I understand that when I say love, people have a lot of different things that come to mind, and most of them are are, are not correct according to the bible because when we talk about love we're talking about god's definition of love not our made up generic you know whatever fabricated definition that we come up with we're talking about the god kind of love that forgives that goes the extra mile that turns the other cheek that loves enough to tell the truth even when it's not popular That's the kind of love that I'm talking about when I speak of this God kind of love. And so, you know, this is looking back on my childhood. This is one of the biggest attributes I remember is that no matter what was going on, there were times when we didn't have much money. There were times when we had bad things come against our family. But I never doubted if my mom and my dad loved me. I always knew that. And I was secure in that fact. And I, uh, to this day, I can say that that has paid off really, really great. And so, moms, no matter what, your kids need to be secure in the fact that no matter what's going on in the world out there, at least my mom loves me, at least dad loves me, (laughs) you know. There may be bullies at school. There may be things happening on the TV and the news that they're seeing. But if they can be secure in the fact that mom and dad love me, that will help them to realize that God in heaven loves them. Because it's one thing, you know, son, God loves you. Daughter, God loves you. And then if they aren't even sure that you love them, they're going to have a really hard time accepting and believing the fact that God in heaven loves them. We are their example. And so I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, this is known as the love chapter in the Bible, very well-known uh, passage and chapter of Scripture. But 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to look at a few verses here that are the God kind of love. And one of the greatest aspects of godly love and the love of a mom is that it endures. It doesn't give up. And I've seen so many awesome stories and examples of I mean, uh, somebody just blew it. They they have not gone down the right path, so to speak. And no matter who is against them, their mom's still believing the best for them. Their mom's still praying for them. Their mom's still 
believes the best and sees the potential and sees the best because that's the God kind of love. So 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 7, this is agape, God love, but this is what the love of a mother and a father should be also. Verse 7, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Maybe you're in here and you can think, you know what, that's how my mom loved me. She, her love endured. She always had hope. She didn't give up on me. She never lost faith. And she endured through every circumstance and bad decision that I made. Anybody can say amen to that. I mean, she endured some stuff with me. Amen. You know, I was thinking about me and Josh yesterday. I got to share some stories at the mother-son banquet, which, by the way, was a huge success. We had the most people we've ever had at any of those type of events. It was incredible. Had a great time. But, you know, um, I, I don't know much about being a mom because I've never been one. And I will never be one, all right? Note that down. Put that in the notes. But at the same time, I do know what it's like to be a son. I do know what it's like to be on the other end of that. And I just look back. You know, Josh and I didn't, I don't know, we never, you know, got into what most people consider super bad things. Thank the Lord. And that's because of my, you know, my, my parents. But we just do some really boneheaded, stupid things that I look back on. And I'm like, why did you even, why didn't you just beat us? I mean, come on. It was just some stupid things. But I remember one time my dad was out of town. He wasn't even there. And we grew up out in the country, okay? So, you know, you may not be able to tell it now, but Josh and I are just your average everyday rednecks from the mid, from the Midwest. Uh, you know, just, that's who we were. And, uh, and so dad's out of town. We had some pigs. My dad bought two pigs and he named them ham and bacon. That was their names. Because he wanted it to be known. These guys are not sticking around forever. One day, they're going to be on the dinner table and, and giving you breakfast. And so they wanted the truth to be known. This is not Wilbur from Charlotte's Web. This is ham and this is bacon. You can love them now, but you're going to be eating them next winter. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. So we got that. But Dad's out of town. And, and so Josh and I, it had rained. It was muddy. It was nasty. It was gross outside. And Josh and I just got done watching a fresh bout of the WWF with Hulkamania. And so we said, come on, hey, what what better place to wrestle? You know, we got tired of wrestling each other. But it came down to this. Let's go wrestle the pigs. They're getting pretty big. And I don't know, we... We were, I don't know, I was probably seven, Josh was eight or nine, and so we stripped down to our whitey tidies. we go out there, hop the fence, and we come at these pigs, man. We were elbow drops and all this stuff, we were, you know, and it's hard to choke slam a pig, and I, this is, probably sounds terrible on the internet right now with like all the animal lovers, but, but we were having the time of our lives head to toe, mud, poop, Anything else the pigs had left in there and just having it. And then my mom comes out. Now, you guys may know my mom as, you know, this sweet, sweet mom and just this nice Christian lady. I don't know how the, the saying goes, but she lost her religion for about an hour that afternoon. It went out the window. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know if she's repented yet because she's probably still mad about this. But my God, it was. Fire in the eyes. I mean, we knew instantly Josh dropped that pig right there in that mud. And, and mom comes out just flames in the eyes. And I'm like, mama, 
You ever heard of Jesus? Because he's heard of you, and he loves you. And and no, no, no. I, she pulled these naked boys out of the mud. She hosed us off with a garden hose. And I don't want to say what happened after that, but we were on the receiving end of that garden hose for a few minutes there. It was not a pleasant experience. But I look back on a lot of stupid I mean, there's more stories like that, but for the sake of my own reputation and my brothers, we won't share anymore for now. Save those for another day. But moms, the love, and never gives up. She could have looked at that right there and said, you know, I've got two losers on my hands. These boys will never be anything. They're out there wrestling naked with pigs. What kind of idiots do that? But no, never gives up. Never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, that may sound like a silly story, but truthfully, we've got some great moms in here. And I know you've put up with some stuff sometimes, maybe even with your raised children, your adult kids. But a key ingredient to being a godly good mom is 1 Corinthians 13 love. Not your own definition, but the Bible definition. Let's look at verses 4 through 6. It says, love is patient and kind. Can I get an amen? Patient. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. And I think the moms know that. You hardly ever get your own way. I mean, you can't even eat a candy bar without the kids knocking on the door. I know this. And it is not irritable. Now, I always read that part. I'm just going to leave that right there because, you know, just do with that what you will. But moms, grandmas, boys and girls, children of all ages, men even, everybody in the room. You need to underline that love is not irritable, the God kind of love. That's just something to think about because there's a lot of people that... Christians, like this, you know, we all sometimes wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You wake up and, and your head or where your feet normally are, you know, you're just tossing and turning. And, and, and maybe you had a rough night. But let's just remember that on the regular basis, love is not irritable. It is not cranky. Thank you for your thunderous amen. I feel that. Me and Jesus felt that one, somebody. All right. And so it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, as I read First Corinthians 13, I'm judging myself on that. And, I, and I've got to measure and stack myself up against that. Am I loving that way? Because probably if I don't say anything else today, I want you to hear what I'm going to say right now. Moms and dads, you are the mold by which your kids will imitate what it means to be a mom or a dad. Whether they like everything you've done or not, you are the example, you are the mold, you are what they're going to pattern being a mom or a dad after, whether you realize it or not. How many people... There was maybe something your parents did that you were kind of, as a kid, irritated you. Then you, one day, you realize, wait a minute, I do that exact same thing too. Anybody? You know, I, I mean, I didn't like it when my, when, in fact, just yesterday, I don't know, my, my dad always did this thing when I was a kid. I'm not putting down, I'm not throwing shade at my dad. It's just something that I think most dads do. But, but for whatever reason, 
in the summertime and in the wintertime, if he had to get out of the car and get something and leave all of us in there, he'd always just leave the door open. And in the winter in Indiana, we're all in there freezing like, why can't you shut the door when you go grab, you know, that thing off of the shelf there? Or or then in the summer, uh, you know, shut the door. And we're like, leave it open. Get some breeze going in here. And just yesterday, I did the same thing to my family. And Katie's like, why do you always do that? Like, I'm pattering what I saw as a child. <laughs> I just, you know, you, you copy what you saw. But honest question here, honest question for for the moms. Would you be happy if your daughter grows up to be like you are? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just asking you, would you be happy if your daughter grows up and, be, and becomes a woman like you are? I got to think about this stuff. Okay, let's take it a step further. Would you be happy if your son marries a lady that treats him like you treat your husband? I don't expect an amen. I don't expect any noise right now. The silence is fine because this is hard hitting. Would you be happy if your son grows up and his wife treats him like you treat your husband? And dads, we could go the other way. Would you like it if if your daughter marries a man that treats her like you treat your wife. That's something to think about, you know, men, this, you know, you get something to think about right there. And so what are we talking about? The God kind of love, not the world's definition, not what you made up in your own mind. Well, I think that love is this. That's fine, but you might be wrong. The Bible is right, and it says that love is patient and kind. It's not irritable. It's not rude. It always endures. It never gives up. It is hopeful, and it never ends. And, in fact, verse 8 says, love never fails. The God kind of love. The people, generic love, it fails every day. But the God kind of love never fails. You will never lose in any situation that you are handling the same way that God would handle it through love. You'll never lose. Well, I don't want them to get one up on me. I don't think that he can talk to me that way. And just if you'll do things God's way, you'll never fail and you'll never lose at anything you do. And I stand by that remark because I've seen it true time and time again. Point number two. All right. Number one, a godly mom. She loves. Number two, she protects. She protects those children that God has trusted her with. I was thinking of a great lady in the Bible. Everybody's favorite Bible character is Jochebed, right? Who loves Jochebed? Who knows who Jochebed is? Okay, very good. So Jochebed had three children, and their names were Aaron, Miriam, and a little fellow named Moses. This was Moses' mom, Jochebed. And it's an interesting story because I can see the love of God and the, and the proper love of a mom so much in this story. So flip to Exodus chapter 2, uh, and I'll, I'll fill you in on some of the other details real quick while we're getting there. Exodus chapter 2. Amen. Are we having a good time today? Praise God. Exodus chapter 2. And so as we're getting there... Jochebed and her kids and her husband, they were living in the land of Egypt. They were slaves. They were Hebrews. They were Israelites. They were slaves to the Egyptians. And in fact, the, the Hebrew people, the, uh, the Israelites, God's people, they've been in captivity for hundreds of years. And at this point, they'd reproduced. You know, they'd had several generations of kids. 
and Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, was like, there's getting to be way too many of them. They're, they're getting close to where if they wanted to have a revolt, there's enough of them that they could possibly fight us and actually do something. And so the Egyptian government is getting afraid of how many Hebrews and Israelites that there are. And so he makes this wicked, awful, disgusting, vile law that, you know what, from now on we're going to kill every firstborn male child, every Hebrew male child. And, and they're going, and they're killing the boy children. They're like, we just, this will cut off their future generations. They can't, they can't reproduce. And so they're killing babies. And I'll tell you that there are very few things that, I mean, listen, it's wicked to kill a baby. It is wicked and it is evil. And every generation we've seen all the way back in the book of Genesis, there were baby killers. The Canaanites, they were awful. And people look at some of these Old Testament stories and like, man, God was pretty violent back then. He told the Israelites to go and wipe out this people group. He went and 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 if you don't understand the scripture very well, you'll start to think that, well, man, God was a killer. God was mean. You don't know that some of these people that God told the Israelites to kill off, such as the Canaanites and the Amalekites and the Philistines, they were wicked people. They were so disgusting, they would they would kill babies just to sacrifice them on the altars to their false gods. And it's wrong and it's never been right. And I look at the modern world and I see people that rejoice in their right to have an abortion and kill a baby. And it's wicked and it's evil and it's wrong. And every people group that's ever done it has paid the price and been judged by God. So anyway, I'm pro-life for the record. I don't believe in killing babies from the womb to the tomb. They belong to God. Amen. All right. So. Here we have that, that they're killing the Hebrew babies. Exodus 2, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to speed up a little bit. It says, about this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Why was she hiding him? So the government wouldn't come and take him and kill him. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And so she's trusting this baby is going to be protected by God. If I hide him here, they're going to eventually find him. And so what happens? The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. And so can you imagine as a mom being in that spot, the government's coming, they're going to send soldiers to take your child because he's a boy and kill him. And you know, God, I'm in a bad spot here. What am I going to do? I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like. But this mom says this baby is, every baby's special, but there's something about Moses here, my little baby, that whatever is, I've got to protect him. And the best way that I can protect him is to just let him go and leave him in the hands of God. That's some faith right there. Because our natural instincts are like, I'm going to hide him. I'm going to, you know, anything I've got to do to hide him from the authorities. She had such faith that God would take care of him. She said, the best thing I can do is just trust him over into God's hands. And some uh, some moms, some dads, we've been worried about those kids. What can I do? What can I do? You do what God tells you to do, but the best thing you can do is trust them into God's hands and let God work on them. And so let's let's go down a little bit more here. 
verse 5, soon Pharaoh's daughter, the king's daughter, came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. Verse 6, when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister, Miriam, his big sister, who was hiding, approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. What a story. She trusted little Moses into God's hands. Because she did that, not only did she get to nurse and help raise that baby that she turned over into the Lord's hands when it looked like he was going to die, but she got paid for it. Moms, would you like to get paid for some of the stuff that you got to do around the house right there? Come on. Hey, <laughs> straight from the king's daughter. She got paid to do it. And so Moses was raised in an interesting way. He got to he got to be raised with, you know, with his mom helping every step of the way. But he also got raised in the king's palace. So he saw his Hebrew heritage and then he was raised kind of in royalty as being a grandson of Pharaoh. And we know what happened with Moses from there. He went on to be the person to free the Israelites from 400 years of brutal slavery from the Egyptians. He God used them to part the Red Sea and bring them right to the brink of the promised land. Moses was nothing but a success. And it looked like he wasn't going to live past three months old. Why? Because mom trusted God. Amen. And so I can tell you this much. If Jochebed had just kept little Moses hidden in her house, they would have eventually found him. But because she trusted God, he was saved. And he ended up being one of the most influential, powerful people the world's ever seen because of what she did. All right. Number three about moms. Number one ingredients that a, a good godly mom needs. Number one, she loves. Number two, she protects. Number three, she teaches. And I'm not just talking about when you're forced to do it against your own will during a national pandemic. How many moms you, you know, you found out, hey, I'm a teacher last year. I'm going to be a teacher now. And that was difficult. I mean, it got a little bit difficult. But truth be told, a godly mom is a teacher. I heard somebody say, life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mom. You're like, man, I wish I had a manual to life. If somebody give me the instruction book, hey, you've got a mom, right? And if she's a godly one, you're going to be okay through all this. But I can honestly look back on my life and think, a lot of the Bible, a lot of the things I know, my mom taught me. And this is one of the things, you know, that I shout out to Katie on. She's really, really good at teaching our kids things. Because I get frustrated. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'll just clean it myself. What are you doing, man? Those windows look... And and I take it from them. And Katie always takes the time to teach them things. And I was thinking about that, man. Like, she's taught them some big stuff. And I, I was like, what have I taught them? You know, I teach them the Bible, but... I taught them who the three stooges are. They can all tell you who, you know, Mo, Larry, and Curly are. They know that. Uh, you know, I, I, I taught them, uh, you know, some wrestling moves. They, they know the, the people's elbow and the choke slam really well. But uh, I don't know. Uh, but then, and then I look at this list of things she's taught them. I'm like, my gosh, they'll know how to pray and read the Bible. You know, I, I've helped give that to them. But 
when they survive on their own, when they move out, she's going to have to get the credit because it's not because I taught them how to cook or do very many other great things. So shout out to the moms. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. And this is uh, written by King Solomon. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. It's going to be on the screen there if it takes a minute to get there. But it is so important, moms, that we realize we're not just there to... Get them through till they're 18. We are teaching them and showing them what they're going to be as an adult. Proverbs 1 verse 8. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and will be a chain of honor around your neck. What your mom teaches you and what your dad. Don't get mad when your dad corrects you and disciplines you. Don't. Be angry at your mom for teaching you because what you learn from them will be will crown you with grace and will be a chain of honor around your neck. People are going to say, man, how did you know that? How did you get so smart? Well, I don't know. I mean, just my mom taught me this. My, my mom used to tell me this as a kid, and now I remember it. It's a chain of honor around your neck. That's something for us to think about right there. And, you know, my my son Isaac's been getting into wearing, you know, getting some chains and stuff. I think, what do they call that? Drip, right? Come on, guys. Xavier, am I right? Is that what it's called? Drip? All right, thank you. <laughs> He's like, leave me alone, old man. Don't talk to me right now. Uh, but I'm being, you know, it looks really good. And you look really smart if you'll listen to your godly mom. Moms, can I get an amen on that one? Listen to me, kids. All right. You don't have to flip there, but write it down. Proverbs 31, verse 26. The Proverbs 31 woman, it says, when she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness, with kindness. She gives instructions with kindness. Moms, keep giving those instructions. Try it first with kindness. And if they don't listen to that, then bring the heat. Okay, let them feel it from there. That's just, you know, from what I've uh, ascertained from what I've seen. Okay, and so a godly mom, she loves she protects, she teaches, and my fourth thing today is this, is she prays. A godly mom, amen. Th- Thomas, come on, lead these people in a... All right, very... <laughs> Thomas, my teenagers are out doing the adults today. Tom, I said, a godly mom prays. This guy clapped and nobody else did. I said, a godly mom prays. You know, it was really good the other night. Let me just, you know, get a, this is a good kid here. This is a good young man, Thomas. The other night, me and Josh were talking after a service, and, and he's like, oh, you know, that was, that, you did, that was a good one. Things went pretty good there. And it was just kind of short, and I'm like, you know, they taught me in Bibles college. They said, always leave the crowd wanting just a little bit more. And it was funny because Thomas walks up right there, and he's like, Pastor Dave, I wish you would have preached longer tonight. That was so good. And I'm like, boom, there it is right there. If a, if a teenager is telling you to preach longer, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it. There is hope. There is hope for our future. All right. So a, pre- a, a godly mom prays. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. What a thing to be able to say. I mean, come, this is like the greatest president we've ever had. Abraham Lincoln says, I remember my mother's prayers and they have always followed me. They have clung to me my entire life. Moms, let me just tell you, those prayers 
and those statements of faith that you're speaking, don't give up. It may seem like, I don't know, man, it seems like, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep speaking the right words over them because they may, it may seem like, well, they, you know, they, they've straight, keep it up. It will pay off. It will always pay off. It always does. Let me show you one last verse here. First John chapter five. Can we look at first John chapter five? We're looking at verses 14 and 15. First John chapter five. And this applies to everybody. If you are not a person of prayer, you need to become a person of prayer. I know that doesn't sound too deep and that doesn't sound, but I am convinced. And in fact, I don't, I know most Christians don't really pray that much. That's just the flat out truth. It's the truth. Most Christians, they may pray once a day. They may possibly pray for their food if nobody's looking, but most Christians would not be considered a person of prayer that much. And it's strange because that's one of the fundamental things that if you ask anybody, well, what does a Christian do? Well, they pray, they read their Bible, they go to church. We have got to become people of prayer. Moms, you have got to be a mom of prayer for those children. We said this yesterday, but if you're like, well, I'll wait till they get older. Listen, if you need to be praying for them before they were ever even born. You know, I've got a nephew over here that's five or six days old. And and if we're like, well, okay, he's six days old, we'll start praying now. You've already got a late start. You should have been praying months ago before he's ever even born. And so, moms, pray for them. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And I'm telling you, prayer works. Verse 14, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Would it please God for you to ask that he bless your children and protect them, that they would serve him and follow him, and that they would... My parents, they prayed before we were ever even conceived that their children would marry the right person on the first try, and that they... And for whatever reason, my mom prayed we'd have really straight teeth. She always tells me that. I prayed that you would have straight teeth, David, even before you were ever even born. And so, you know, praise God. But pray for your kids. Pray for them. Verse 15, and since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. I'm going to say it again. He will give us what we ask for. Why? Because we're praying according to his will. Well, I just don't know what the will of God is. Well, listen, you can ask somebody around here because we know what the will of God is. And that's not being boastful or prideful we just read our bibles a lot and so we figured out what the will of god was his will is that you would have a blessed family that you would have children that love you that serve god that will grow up and follow him katie shared over the offering proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it you don't have to say well everybody just reaches that stage where they've got a you know you know stray and then no they don't everybody does have to make their own decision about jesus someday but don't be a fool and think that well every kid has to reach a point where they eventually stray away from the lord they do not don't speak curses over your children speak faith speak blessing speak the word of god over them and i'm telling you right now And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. 
God wants your kids to love you, to love him, and to serve him all the days of their life. Mom, pray every day. Speak words of faith. My dad did not have a praying mom. She was not a Christian mom. She was rough at times. <laughs> My grandma was a little rough at times. But he did have a praying grandma. The only member of the Samples family that was a legitimate Christian was the grandma. And she took him to church and she prayed for those kids. And I'm so grateful that she didn't give up even when it seemed like it wasn't working. She never gave up. She never lost faith. She was always hopeful and she endured through every circumstance with her love. And she prayed. And when my dad was 28 years old, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and he's never looked back. The first member of the Samples family to leave alcoholism, to not be an alcoholic, he was, but he left alcohol and I hate alcohol. And I just go on the record to say that I hate it and I despise it because it has ruined so many people's lives that I know that I despise alcohol. And I have many people with my same last name that it has ruined their life and cost them everything and I despise it. But my dad, out of seven kids, other than his sister, okay, so the first male out of the entire family left alcohol and no longer controls him. And he's got the first set of kids in the Samples family that are not have not been arrested or not into alcohol and drugs. We've married our wives and stayed with them. And and I'm just saying that we've made a lot of stupid mistakes. But because he broke away, because grandma's prayers were answered, the blessing is paying off right now. And we're serving Jesus. And we've got a whole, between me and Josh, we're repopulating bars. So we're going to catch up with some of you Mexican families someday. Amen. You love me, right? But we're, we're putting a bunch of those samples kids out here. And Barstow is going to have a good future. Because there's children being raised out of churches just like this all over Barstow that know the ways of the Lord. They don't have to know those curses. They know the ways of the Lord. And they've got a good mom and a good dad that are raising them. God's way. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.